Creator Podcast. I'm Lee Brees. Think you have what it takes to make it in the YouTube business? Let's see how you feel after this project's over. I learned this week that I need a very nice computer and a lot of money to buy the computer. In this project, we'll discuss those things in addition to some updates on my Columbia trip and some inspirational talk. Great stories to share and ideas to talk about in this episode. As always, whether you know how to build a computer or the only program you've ever installed is Chrome, amateur expert, there's something in this episode just for you. Look at this. I'm a busy college student with a podcast. How many can say that? Let's get this done so I can go do some homework. Vamos! Today has been the day. Wow. Welcome to Monday, ladies and gentlemen. It has been one of those crazy days for me, and crazy as in not in a good way. Yes, it is Monday, I'll admit that. And Monday typically is a bad day, but today was an especially different kind of bad for me. Now, usually when I describe a bad day, usually it's more of an academic bad day. It's more like it's more like you find out you get a bad grade in a homework assignment or you get a bad grade in a test and it strictly impacts your grade. You know, I had one of those kind of days. It was, wasn't last Friday. Maybe it was the Friday before. No, maybe it was like two or three weeks ago. I found out I bombed a test and I found out I had two big projects that were coming up and I had an assignment due on Monday and it was just one of those. I got fail, everybody. Everybody in the class failed the quiz that we took in math class. That was that was that was the way I ended Friday. Was by finding out that everybody failed the quiz and there was no curve in math. That was pretty frustrating. But that, see, that's that to me is a bad day. I felt like it, I felt like it was going to take a while to recover from that. Um, and obviously, um, since I'm having to recover grades, I mean, it's taking me a little while to recover from that. But uh, that's what I usually use to describe a bad day. Today was just bad in the sense that like it was one of those cursed days it was just one of those days where everything was meant to go wrong and it pretty much did so I knew it was going to rain today actually I was pretty upset over the weekend I went home this is my last weekend in the shop this past weekend was my last weekend to get in a workshop for three weeks um, I've usually spent six to eight months <laughs> at a time away from the shop, but I was, you know, I'm really starting to get on a roll and, you know, two days isn't a whole lot to get in it every week, but, um, I usually try to take advantage of it. And when you add up all those days, it's not really that much over the course of a month long period. I guess that's eight days a month, but nonetheless, I'm trying to get in there when I can. And I, it was supposed to rain on Sunday, but it didn't. But, you know, I had structured my whole weekend doing all yard work all day Saturday, and then I was too, too worn out to go into the shop. And then when I got to Sunday, it's like, well, you know, when you get to Sunday and you leave the next day, you can't really glue anything up. You know, you just, you know, that, and that's really an, a key part of when you're making things. You have to glue things up, and it requires overnight to dry and whatnot. So I was very frustrated that I didn't really ultimately spend that much time in the shop, let alone now I got got to be away for three weeks. But there are still great things coming up. Don't get me wrong. College is fun sometimes. 
I will still get my personal time out in the shop. Don't worry about it. That'll happen. But great things are happening here. And as much as my parents and my friends are trying to tell me to embrace it, uh, embrace what's going on at college, get away from home, which to me, getting away from home is getting away from the shop. It's not really so much, you know, I'm not there to be home in that sense. You know, I got a, I got a $30,000, $40,000 workshop that is, is mine and I want to use it. Like I don't, people don't understand that, but yeah, it, it's different for everybody. But anyway, there are lots of great things going on here at Purdue. If you don't remember, I am a college student. I am a freshman studying economics and political science here at the Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana. Good old hour from home. And uh, college, just like for any kid, has been a huge transition for me. It's just, it's incredibly nice to not have like, your day is not just like stacked anymore. Um, it's also really nice um, I mean, I still feel, feel the pressure to get good grades, but it's just, there's so much uncertainty when you're in high school about what your future holds that, um, it weighs a little bit more pressure on you that never was on top of you all the time. It's really nice. I've been waiting a long time to be treated like an adult. I don't, you know, I still feel like I get treated like crap here, but nonetheless, I can't wait, uh, to be out in the real world. And I get that vibe from a lot of kids. I'm very ironic in the fact that I, I'll probably end up going to school for a very, very long time, even though I hate it so much, so much. But anyway, let's talk about some things that are happening in Purdue in the next three weeks. So the Bechtel and Design Innovation Center opened up Oh gosh, it was probably like a month ago at this point. <laughs> I really don't remember, but my friend and I are going to try and become teacher assistants there, um, which means that you, it's basically like a job. You get paid uh, to be a lifeguard for everyone that's in there um, working on projects. Um, it's a makerspace, essentially. That's what it is. I talked about in the last podcast episode a lot. Um, him and I started that process today. Started, we got our, all of our safety quizzes done, all the 30 pieces of equipment. I now know how to be around. <laughs> Let's put it that way. That's what the safety quiz is about. It's about learning how to be around a piece of equipment, not learning how to use it. Um, so I got all those done. And then we started our first, what's called a volunteer activity, which is just teaches you how to use um, all the pieces of equipment. And the very first, the very first volunteer activity um, is measuring threads and dimensioning. Oh uh, yeah. Dimensioning a drawing. I think no, it was just measuring. We had dial caliper and they gave us a part and we had to measure it and it was pretty pathetic. But we're going back there tomorrow to do volunteer activity number two. So we have to do eight volunteer activities a semester. I don't know how involved they are, how long they'll take. Obviously, the one today wasn't very involved. Um, but then after that, so that, that's a total of a year. You have to wait a whole year or get training for a year before you can actually become a TA in this place. And the great thing about being a TA is that it's no questions asked. You don't have to submit. Um, you, have to, you don't have to get a permit, as I said in the last episode, to make your project or whatever. So we're really looking forward uh, to becoming TA so we can just do whatever the heck we want <laughs> in uh, in the Bechtel Innovation Design Center. So yeah, they have some fabulous piece of equipment. And it's just, you know, one of those things, you know, and makers and creators, you know, they think in terms of constraints. Like, that's how I think of things. I look, you know, I don't come up with a project a lot of times. It's not me thinking of an idea. It's more or less me looking at a piece of wood or looking at a stack of wood and saying, what can I make out of this? What are the constraints? What's, wh how big can I make this? How long can I make it? How tall can I make it? Things like that. That's what I think about. Or like, even when you're designing a project, you're designing a shelf. It's supposed to go in a specific space. It has to, be, has to hold a specific 
specifically sides something. It has to be, you have to be able to move it. There's stuff like that. There's constraints. And that's how every creator thinks like that. And when I walk in there, it's just like your horizon is just blown wide open because I've never welded before. I've never used a CNC machine. I've never used a mill. I've never used a lathe, actually, surprisingly enough. Um, so the possibilities are just endless of what's in this place. And I can't, I mean, words cannot describe just how like overwhelming it is to think about all the different things. You, oh, 3D printers, even all the different things you can create in this Bechtel Innovation Design Center. So um, definitely looking to another solid three years of making some pretty awesome stuff. Also coming up in the next couple weeks, I am going to Bogota, Colombia for the Model United Nations Conference. Remember, that's where the that's where the political science degree comes in there. I am going, I was invited by the political science department to represent Purdue um, at the conference there in Colombia, and I'm very excited. And every time every time I tell somebody about it, they always say, just don't get kidnapped. Uh, so obviously there's some history there that I need to learn yet, but uh, it's, it's really exciting. I've never been out of the country. I've never been on a flight that was more than two hours. Um, it's going to be a, here's, here's how the day's going to go. Okay. So we're going to leave on Thursday. It's, uh, two travel days, four days we're there. So travel day, four days, travel day. Anyway, so we get, we, we wake up at 6.30, boom, shuttle to O'Hare in Chicago, fly out of Chicago. That's about a four-hour drive from here. Then we get on the plane. Then it's a three-hour flight to Houston. And once we get to Houston, we get on the plane. It's a six-hour flight from Houston to Bogota, Colombia. So that'll be really fun. I'll have a lot of time to do whatever the heck I want on a plane. If you have any advice on what I should do on the plane, please let me know because I have never sat, I don't think I've ever sat, well, I mean, if you count road tripping sitting down to be one thing, I don't just don't think I've, I've never sat on a plane that long to appreciate what you do with a six-hour flight. This might be very interesting or very boring, um, but, you know, growing up, I flew to Florida a couple times. Um, I'm trying to think if I flew anywhere else. Really, I think that was just it. I don't think I ever flew anywhere else besides Florida, but multiple times. And then for, I flew by myself for the first time when I was a freshman. No, the summer after my sophomore year, I went to go. I went to Florida to flip houses with my uncle, who already lives in Florida. And I remember we, I flew there and that was like that whole day, like I, I wish I wasn't vlogging then or I wish I had this podcast then because it would, that whole day was probably one of the more memorable days in my entire life was the, was the flying from Indiana to, to Florida all by myself. It was, it was very comical in the sense that, uh, well, the flight from Indy, to, well, actually, here's what happened, okay? Let me tell you this. I, I'm going to try to keep these stories very short, but we'll start with the Indy airport, okay? Get there. Mom and I get there. Go through security. I have my backpack, which I just brought from school, okay? So I didn't dump anything out of it, didn't add anything to it. I just brought it from school. That was my carry-on for the plane. I had my laptop in it, some books and whatnot. Um, yes, it's the summer, and yes, I'm still carrying crap like that. Anyway, so then I, we go through security, and, you know, I was just like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a maker, but I'm a guy from the countryside. He's got a shop, and he's got things to do outside, and he's got a lot of other stuff on his mind, and he just needs his pocket knife, okay? So I kept, you know, despite cool school policy, I kept my pocket knife with me all the time when I was in high school, and even middle school for that matter. I was just so, I just, like, I was just so sick of needing it, not having it, that I was like, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to carry it all the time. We get to the airport. Of course, pocket knife still in the bag. I don't remember that. 
Okay, so then we run through security, run the thing again, and we get you know we run through the thing through the the TSA thing, and the thing flags. I'm like, oh my gosh, what could that what the heck could be in there? And I said, there's nothing in here. I'd run it through again, and so they listened to me, ran it through again, and of course went off again, <laughs> despite my wishes. And then uh, the lady. I guess looked at the x-ray thing and figured out what part of the backpack it was in. I was like, oh yeah, the pocket knife. And I pulled out my pocket knife. Luckily, my mom was still there. So instead of having it shipped or having them confiscate, I was able to give it to her. And then, you know, she took it away, got it back after the trip, whatnot. But here's the thing. After I took the pocket knife out of my bag, they didn't run the bag through the security scanner again. And what I had completely forgotten about was that I had a pair of scissors in my backpack, which when I got to Florida and was telling my uncle about what happened, um, they the whole family just like freaked out. Like they couldn't believe that I got scissors on a plane. I don't know why that's hard to hard to believe, but um, evidently you're not allowed to have scissors. So I learned that. Um, but also, ultimately, that's like the TSA's fault for not running my backpack through the scanner again after um, they took the pocket knife out of my backpack. So. I did get uh, dangerous weapons on the plane one time. That's my that's my good story. Then then okay then we get from we get to Atlanta. That's where my connector flight is. Um, not nothing really exciting there. I had about I had about an hour layover. No, it was an hour and a half layover. And I remember um, I couldn't figure out where the heck I was going, so I ended up walking through all of A and all of B terminals. Which if you've ever been to the Atlanta airport, that's like A thirty one through B thirty one. So that's like probably a mile worth of walking um that's not even round trip that's just like one direction i guess i got to stretch my legs pretty well in between the flights and then once i got on the plane so here's the thing you always like for some reason when people book flights they always hope that they're not the one next to the baby or the screaming baby or the nursing mother or whatnot um and so people always like it's just like a thing like it never happens to anybody it's like the it's like the odds of someone getting bombed on or a plane crashing like that that is that is the odds of sitting next to a nursing mother and of course i'm a uh, 17 year no this is freshman year this i am a 15 year old kid flying by myself um i just found my connector flight and i'm meeting up with you know the plane and i get on the plane i find my seat and it's just like, you know, you got, you got your ticket in your hand and your boarding pass and you're just looking at each seat like, is this my row? Is this my seat? Where is it? And then I finally, I get there, I look into the row and I look up and I'm in the middle seat and the seat by the window <laughs> is a nursing mother with a screaming baby. And it's not like, it's not like this baby's like a year old. Like this baby is like probably at least uh, two months, three months old. I mean, this thing is screaming. This thing is, I mean, you're talking about like nursing all the time. I sat down. I didn't do anything the whole flight. It was an hour-long flight. But here's the worst part. I sit down. It's raining outside, okay? It is pouring. And as soon as I sit down, everybody boards the plane. The captain says, that sorry, folks, due to inclement weather, we're going to be parked here on the tarmac for a while. Um, So then he pulls out. I don't know why I pulled out, but then he got in line and we're like the 10th plane in line to take off. And we waited two hours, two hours sitting there on the tarmac in my seat next to this nursing mother. Two hours before we took off. Oh my goodness. It was awful. 
the I counted the the she fed the baby a total of 18 times and this baby was breastfeeding total of 18 times in that two hour span and then we finally after two hours we finally get in the air and this is a, this is an hour long flight this is I mean it's you know more nursing this time 15 times in an hour how does how is a baby want like how does how does this I don't understand how all this works maybe I'll understand a little bit better when I'm a dad but this this was just like it was like it was the grossest thing it was honestly it was worse for her than it was for me she was very embarrassed by you know having to do this in front of this kid and it was you know like why me <laughs> what a coincidence why did this have to happen to me and then I got off the flight met my uncle you know trip back it was great it, you know it was fine and then on, I was there for who knows how long, and then on the way home, this is the freaky part. On the way home, both flights, no one sat next to me. On the flight from Tampa to Atlanta, whole row of three seats, all to myself. I literally laid down. You know what really ticked me off is that the lady I was I was sitting in like I can't remember my seat was like the middle seat, and I was sitting in like I think I was sitting in the aisle. Maybe I was sitting at the window seat. I really don't remember. But I remember the, 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 the stewardess, when she's checking everybody, gave me a really hard time like for not being in the right seat. And she told me to move over. It's like, okay. And then when the plane took off, of course, I just laid down and took a nap. And then from, Indi- from uh, Atlanta to Indy, also, nobody on the flight. It was just, be- well, nobody in my row anyway. I had a whole like two seats to myself. wasn't as luxurious as the flight from Tampa to Atlanta, but still. You know, after after how bad the flight was going to Florida, it was it was very uh, it felt very good to have that comforting flight. I was just like it was one of those things. It's like opposite extremes, you know. It's like why couldn't I just had evened out somehow, you know? Very level playing field. This is my first time being on a plane in about two or three years. Going to Columbia for four days with it'll be really awesome. Off the hook, I'm told that the drinking age there is 18. Um, yes, I'm in college, but I'm not 21. We'll put it that way. Um, so it's not that honestly, like alcohol is an acquired taste. I'll say that from my perspective. That's how I feel about it. Like the reason I feel like the reason you see so many beer commercials is that because people don't drink it, but people need to be convinced that they need it. And so because of that, then a lot of people drink it. I just don't feel like if we had all the advertising and these big companies that produce alcohol that we do today, I just don't think that many people would drink it. I mean, beer really isn't that great of a drink. I know old men love it, but to me, I mean, it really doesn't taste that good. I won't confess anything, but it really, it's just, I don't know. I'll take a diet Dr. Pepper any day or lemonade any day. It's just, that's just me. Sorry. I'm not big on alcohol, but I'm told that the drinks they have in Colombia are fantastic. And this is by um, significant people. So I'm looking forward to at least trying some of the great drinks of Colombia. You know, I got to kind of absorb the culture a little bit. So looking forward to that. I can't remember what the drink, they told me the names of the very good drinks. I'm going to look it up because I really don't remember. <laughs> I'm not good at that kind of crap. And then also, um, I'm also told that the people, people in Colombia know how to dance and they know how to party. So I'm not a, I mean, I am a party guy, but I'm not a party guy in the sense that I'm going to go to a party every weekend here at Purdue. Like, that's just not me. Or maybe joining a frat house. Like, I would say continual social, continued social um, activity or prolonged social activity, like having a party every weekend or joining a frat where it's just like a commitment to be social, not me. But like, when you say there's a party, I'm there and it's going to go down hard. It's going to be a fantastic party when I'm there. I'm going to try to get as much footage as I can 
Um, just AF Columbia, like I said, they've been out of the country. Um, Bogota is in the mountains, so I'm anticipating some really great views. That also means that it's really actually going to be pretty chilly there. It's going to be out in the 50s and 60s when um, we're there in Bogota. Uh, because like I said, it's like, it's at, I think it's at like 15,000 feet in altitude. I don't know. It, again, I need to do my research before I record this podcast, but at the same time, I think it's 15,000 feet, but yeah, it's gonna be pretty chilly over there. Great views. Um, but here's the issue that I've discovered about this camera. This is the perfect segue. Um, I've discovered that I have a very expensive camera and the cost of my camera is actually pretty similar to what I paid for this laptop that I record this podcast on and use in my everyday life. The cost of the two was very similar. And so what basically what I have is a very cheap laptop. Um, I, I've discovered that pretty much anything under $1,000 is extremely cheap for a laptop. And I mean, I'm like, like I said in the last episode, I am very happy with this machine. This machine does wonderful things. Um, it does everything that I need it to. And I stress the word need because it does everything I need it to, not everything I want it to. Um, so it can record, it can do Microsoft Word, it can play videos. You know, that's really about it. I mean, my really, my really the frustrating thing about this is that it only has 120 gigabytes of solid state, so I can't install, I have a lot of programs installed on it. Um, probably ones I shouldn't have because they don't really work on this computer, but I can't store anything on this computer. That's really kind of frustrating. But at the same time, with the cloud and everything, it's like, well, you don't really need it. Um, it's, it's solid state, too. That's a great thing. It's 128 solid state. So that's awesome. This, this thing is silent. I mean, you bring it to a bathroom or you bring it to a library, it's like you can't like it's you can't hear anything. You bring one of those old laptops in there, it's like you freaking brought a tornado in there or something. Um, but I've learned that the footage that I get from my camera is just too darn high quality um, for me to be able to use like or be able to edit on this computer so that kind of is really frustrating because I took a lot of footage when I went on my trip to my uncle's cabin in the UP actually I got over 100 gigabytes <laughs> 100 gigabytes of footage which um, I think that's a little too much that's a little too much probably um, but that also kind of shows how high quality it is I mean I don't have the greatest lens on my camera but nonetheless the camera still shoots very good quality video um, good enough to, for to be comparable with anything else out there online anyway. Um, which is kind of what is frustrating because I really, 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 really want to get into YouTube. Um, vlogging, maybe woodworking stuff, crap like that. I feel like um, I have a big enough ego that I could be, I could succeed in YouTube. Um, that and, you know, I was really into YouTube when I was like 12, 13 years old probably around there. I mean, I watched a lot of big YouTubers, um, Nigahiga, Smosh, um, Philip DeFranco, just to name a few, College Humor. There's a, there's a lot of makers. I didn't really start watching woodworking on YouTube until after my dad died, which was like two years ago. So maybe two and a half years ago, approximately, I started watching like Matthias Wendell, Bob Claggett, Jimmy DeRista, um, all those people, Tropical Chris, uh, a lot of other guys out there locally. Guy Dunlap, um, he has a, he runs a great channel on YouTube. He's also from out of Indianapolis. But I never really ever got into like vlogging after that point. Like I had actually, I got to, I was I don't know. I just got so into YouTube when I was younger that I even had my own channel. Um, some of you might actually know about this. I had a YouTube channel when I was thirteen. It was like I had it like I was active in it for about two months. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just 
I just stopped. I just like, well, my issue was that like I was going off like a $60 digital camera and that's what I shoot everything on. And it would just fail me. Like it would break or I'd drop it, it'd get destroyed or something would happen to it. And that would be it. No more camera. And when you're thir- when you're 12 or 13, you have no money. You rely on Christmas and birthdays for that kind of stuff. So when the camera broke, that was it. No more channel. Um, I left all the videos up and everything. In fact, you can check it out. Um, see how embarrassing I looked. <laughs> I looked when I was 13. But I mean, the channel actually did great. Um, I had, I think at my highest point, I had 100 subscribers within that two-month time frame. And then uh, my my most viewed video had over 5,000 views. Um, that's when I was 12 slash 13. I really don't remember how old I was when I made that crap. I need to look. Um, but I mean, I'm thinking, I think like thinking back now, like had I sticking with it, um, I might actually be like a Casey Neistat or Philip DeFranco or a Smosh or a Ray William Johnson or Nigahiga. I might actually be one of those big guys in YouTube right now. And that's kind of frustrating to think about because again, this goes whole all back to, I put all my focus on school. Um, everything was in the classroom. All the clubs I did were f- through school. I did all the sports and everything. And it, it's just, it's kind of frustrating to think about that kind of stuff. I uh, think about what could have been. But nonetheless, just because what didn't happen in the past can't happen in the future. So I was really hoping I could get into YouTube again. That's what I wanted to do over the summer, but I just worked too much um, to ever actually do, like, actually ever do anything. I bought this really nice camera in the spring, took a lot of great photos with it. Took some great footage on my trip when I was at my uncle's cabin in the UP up in Peninsula, Michigan, but I haven't really done much with it since. I've taken more photos, but I tried to get some video. Um, I tried I tried like, I, I, th- I thought when I was going to get into YouTube now, this is like literally a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago, I thought when I was going to do that, that I was going to go, like, I need to start out small, like... The woodworking Instagram was a step to like posting my life online. Then how I was going to step it up was I was going to make these really short one-minute videos that I post on Instagram and Facebook for people to watch. And that might get people interested. And so I tried that, wrote a script, made the video, got the footage and everything, and then I tried to edit it. And I kind of realized this after I tried to edit some footage with my, of my uncle, my trip to my uncle's cabin. I got Adobe Premiere. I mean, even Adobe Premiere, I tried it in VideoPad, which is what I used in the past um, when I was younger. Um, and I just couldn't edit. The, the, it wouldn't, like, it can edit the footage. Don't get me wrong, but you can't, like, play back the footage. The, the processor in this computer, it also doesn't have its own graphics card. The processor just couldn't process all the different feeds in the video editing software. And then, I, like I said, I tried Premiere Pro, same thing. Didn't really work that well. And if you can't, like, watch the footage as you're editing it, then it's really no good to try and ever do anything, especially as quick as the transitions have to be in order to have a really good video. Um, so that was kind of frustrating. I came to that realization, and then I realized that, well, if I'm really going to get into this, then I need to buy a pretty serious computer. Um, and all this happened, actually, when I decided to watch the the Jimmy DeRista vlog series over again. Um, I'd done a pretty good job of keeping up, but then in, in the summer I stopped watching. I'd probably watched about half of what his half of all the vlogs he has out there. Um, and and uh, I was really interested. I was really like, hey, I could totally do this. And then he mentioned when I watched it over again, um, I watched the first episode and he mentioned, um, he was talking, the whole, his whole first episode of his vlog was all about 
um, how he was going, how he wanted to do this vlog. He was talking about what the challenges would be of doing it. Um, he talked a lot about uh, what you know, how he was going to do it, what kind of things would be in it, um, how great it would be, stuff like that. And he mentioned um, that a huge inspiration for him was a guy named Casey, um, also from New York City. And I don't know why, but like I was, I the thing is, like I said, all the people I follow on YouTube now are all makers. You know, I follow like Bob Claggett, Matthias Wendel, Jimmy Darista, Chop with Chris. Um, I'm leaving people out. Guy Dunlap. There's several others. I just can't think of them. But I didn't really have anybody to, to as an example for vlogging. Most of those videos that I watched were like how to or how to slash vlog. Um, Jimmy Darista was really the only person that I watched that had an actual vlog series that I found really interesting. Um, I don't know why humans find other people's lives so interesting. That's just something unique about us, I guess. I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist, or neurologist, so I probably will never know why. But anyway, so I looked up I looked up this guy, Casey, New York City, and of course, it's Casey Neistat. Um, he has approximately 8 million subscribers on YouTube, does vlogging really popular on Instagram, whatnot. Um, apparently, he's he's like a crazy, insane, famous in terms of internet realm. And I had no idea who he was. And then, actually, I watched um, his featured video on his page, actually a commercial that I watched all the time. It was that Samsung commercial with the with the creators. You know, it's just like, you know, people today have their phones and whatnot. They, you know, thousands of moments have been recorded. It was a really awesome. I think it, was actually, it might have actually been a Super Bowl commercial, really. Um, it's a like I said, it's a Samsung commercial. Um, anyway, it was I was like, oh, that's him. And he had all these viral videos, and I really enjoyed them. Watched his vlogs. I'm actually still kind of into his vlog series right now. Um, but like, it really got me motivated. Like, I should really try this. I really enjoy doing this. I enjoy watching this. I should try making this. And that's when it got me hold down. You know, trying to get into vlogging and getting into YouTube again. Um, basically, because college is is it's not. Lax isn't the right word. Chill isn't the right word. It's just like I feel more enabled to try other things. Whereas in high school, I felt like I was very isolated and I had I can only focus on so much. Here, like I said, I feel more free to do other things. And so I want to give this YouTube thing a try. But at the same time, it's like I don't, I, can't, I need the computer. And so I did a lot of research. I watched more videos about it. Did a lot of reading. I've wanted a desktop computer for a very long time. My original budget was going to be a thousand. This goes back to that whole debate of whether to buy or build a desktop. I'm probably just going to buy it, just because I need the computer to work. I don't want to spend so much time messing around trying to get it to work. I want a computer that works, and I and I need. It's going to cost at least two grand. It's going to be a very expensive computer. And the frustrating thing is, is that I don't work right now, like. I don't want to work during the school year because I don't want to ever look back later on in life and think that you know my trying to earn money got in the way of my grades, which got in the way of me being successful. So I don't want to get a job right now. I'm, I'm trying to find ways to earn revenue um, online very passively. And like you know, I've looked up about you can write books for Amazon. I um, mean, you sell your book on there. You can. I tried to get into the whole Matthias Wendel thing of selling plans on Etsy, and that was supposed to be all developed over the summer. I was going to come up with all these product designs and whatnot, and make them all, and try to sell the plans online. But it just, it, it, I just never got around to it, and it was very frustrating because hoping I could get to the point by the end of the summer where I could just like it would just everything would sell itself. I wouldn't have to like intervene at all. I would just have money just coming in, rolling in. 
and that never happened. Um, I'm think I'm really realizing that next summer. I think next summer really is going to be like the last possible free summer because I've talked with some good buddies. Um, apparently, freshmen don't really get that good of internships, so I'm not going to try to get an internship next summer. Um, I'm going to operate the corn business, which is kind of like late summer, but I feel like I need to spend a lot of time focusing on myself and what my priorities are next summer. So hopefully I can like decommit from everything. It'll be my second summer away from marching band. That is high school marching band during the summer. Um, hopefully I can get a lot more done, get in the YouTube, be successful and everything will work out great. So we'll see about that. Um, but that, that kind of the whole YouTube thing and actually Casey Neistat, one of the things that really grabbed my attention from him is that you know, I had an idea for this podcast, and this podcast was to feature um, creators. And because my background was in woodworking, that's what I kind of leaned towards was making tangible things. You know, like whether you're a seamstress, a painter, a woodworker, um, a craftsman, a blacksmith, stuff like that. And that's what like it was. That's what kind of leaned towards, and it still does, sort of. Um, but what Casey Neistat or Neistat really gets um, or really hits at home with his YouTube is just the how culture has just changed so much since the invention of the internet and the invention of YouTube um, to where you have independent content creators that have created millions of videos, millions of hours of video, and thousands of moments have been recorded that have never, ever been recorded before, and sharing is, is unlimited, it's impossible, and you have all these people that are doing these great things with the internet, and that's really kind of what um, I think I originally intended with this podcast to be. And I'm hoping that if I get into YouTube that I could really focus on that and maybe that might shed some more light <laughs> on this podcast to focus on things like that. People who are doing really cool things, um, being able to create, being content creators, getting, you know, people who are getting away, having to be this big, you know, having to be a big company to do these things. And now they're just, you know, independent people, independent filmmakers, independent makers doing these great things without having to be this huge, gigantic company. And, you know, I talk about college getting in the way and I talk about school getting in the way and I talk about like doing band and all these other clubs and whatnot. And I talk about how what my interests are really don't align with each other. Um, I talk about how I just really want to be a drum major, not so much interested in playing an instrument. I talk about um, I love making things, but yet I'm a political science and economics major. I mean, I'm full of ironies, but at the same point, um, yeah, everybody talks about how your interests are kind of like a pyramid. You know, when you're in middle school, when you're in high school, you do all these different things. Eventually, you narrow down, you narrow down, you narrow down um, until one, you end up doing, you know, whatever your job is in. But for me, it's a little different. My pyramid really isn't a prism, so to say. It's more of like a, it's almost like a right triangle. Like you have one thing shooting up that's constant all the time, and then you have all this other stuff that's on the side. And eventually, as we go further and further up this uh, right triangle pyramid, uh, you have all these other things that are slowly going away, but then you have one thing that's always constant, and when I, I can like kind of like feel that within myself is that as I get older and I start shoving off all the clubs and all the BS stuff I'm tired of doing and all that stuff, um, we slowly are working towards the one thing that I'm truly interested in. And I, I don't really know what that is yet because um, a lot of different things get me excited. Um, but at the same time, it's a really cool to kind of see that happen. It's also really sad that I have to quit doing some things and I'm going to miss some things. Um, but the frustrating thing is, is that whatever, whatever I hope is at the top 
of that pyramid, I really hope is something that makes a lot of money because that's really what I care about the most probably is being able to make money. Now, people can look at me and say I'm selfish. I try not to be selfish. Um, I'm not a Scrooge. I don't want to be a Scrooge. I don't want to be a filthy rich person that you know doesn't give to anybody else. But what I but my my frustrating thing is that like I'm so tired of having to put so much focus and emphasis on myself. I hate that I'm constantly you know having to get away from people to do my homework or study for a test. I hate that um you know I'm embarrassed because of something. I hate you know I hate the fact that I can't take care of myself. I find that very frustrating. Um, and the reason that is is because I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about myself. I want to give as much as I can to other people. There are people out there who are much more interesting, much more talented, who can do a lot of crazy things that I can't do. And I want to be able to give as much to the rest of the world as I can because that's how you learn. That's how you learn. That's how you learn from other people. And it's really frustrating, like I said, that I have to put so much emphasis and focus on myself. And to me, I think the minimalists, if you listen to their podcast, they talk about this, is that before you can help others, you have to help yourself in the sense that you have to personally become financially stable yourself before you can start giving everything away. And I know you can give other things like your time and your dirty clothes and whatnot, but I don't want to do that. I just want to be able to wake up every day and just, you know, hold the door open for people, you know, sit at Walmart and just run people back and forth on a rainy day with an umbrella. I want to be able to help people lift heavy things. Um, I just want to be that kind of just generally helpful guy. And to me, it's very frustrating that I can't because I'm rushing to class because I'm late, because I woke up late, because I went to bed late because I was studying for the test that I'm running now running late to. And because of that, there's someone who really needs a jacket, but because I'm running late, I can't offer them my jacket. Or it's raining, someone needs an umbrella, but I can't offer them my umbrella because I'm running late. It's stuff like that where it's just like an endless cycle of your foibles and your vices just affect everything around you. And it's very, very personally just ugh, frustrating and i'm hoping that i can get into that someday um just once the money comes i know that sounds very selfish and greedy but i mean once the money comes i'm 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 doing what i can right now but at the same rate once the money comes and you know i, I know that i'm waiting for an, an, uh, an eventual date that'll probably never come over the weekend, I'm sitting there with my mom trying to tell her about how my week went and whatnot, all the stuff I did and what crazy stuff happened. And I couldn't remember. Like, what I did last Wednesday night, I'm sitting there on the weekend, like, I was like, Monday, Tuesday? What I do on Wednesday? I couldn't remember. And it was very frustrating. And, you know, and I asked, I've asked people this because I've thought about this multiple times. It's like, the, you know, does it bother you that what you're doing right now, you're not going to remember, like, ever? Does that bother you? It bothers me. I don't understand why that doesn't get to people. People don't think about that. And I find that very frustrating. It's like, there are, there are two schools of thought with this, okay? One is, is that if you can't remember what you're doing every day, something is wrong. And the other one is, is that if you can't remember what you're doing every day, you're not doing something significant every day. And to me, like I'm a combination of those. I feel like because I can't remember what I do every day, I'm, A, I'm not doing something significant, 
and B, I'm doing something wrong. And the way I kind of like phrase this into like kind of like a positive reformation for myself is that you have to think of each day as historic. Think of something to make the day different. Think of something that you're going to remember. Try something new. That's how that's how you slow down time is by trying new things. That's why every time you try something new, every big transition you had in your life. So for me, it was high school to college. Slowed my, my life down a lot, tons. You have to think of each day as being a moment in history, and you have to make each day historic. And that's what Casey Neistat does. Um, I, I, there was an article that I read about him from some New York blog or something like that that said that Casey Neistat is a professional fun haver, which is so true. He does he does all this crazy stuff, which is not really Houdini type stuff, but just stuff you wouldn't do every day. Um, and people don't think they have time for the stuff like that, but really... You do. You just got to make time. You got to decide to do that. And he and he truly does. He is like the definition of make each day historic. He's a very awesome dude. I mean, he's already famous on YouTube. You've probably already heard of him. But if you haven't, if you haven't, please check him out. He's a really cool dude. I love him a lot. Um, he really deserves all the credit he gets. I don't know how much money he makes, um, but he's definitely a really cool dude to check out online. Good example for everyone in the world. He does a lot of uh, reckless and very high-risk stuff. I would avoid some of that stuff that he does, but um, very inspirational guy, nonetheless. Um, he was a high school dropout. He got his girlfriend pregnant. Um, he was dirt poor, but decided to move to New York City. Then he started producing videos, and he became internet famous. It's every uh, YouTube YouTuber's dream to become uh, famous like he did. Uh, but at the same time... It was one of those, you know, rags to riches stories. So, like I said, please again check him out. So, at the beginning of this podcast episode, I talked about how today was just kind of like a bad day that just it was a cursed day. It wasn't an academically bad day. It was just like one of those days that like it was just not going to be good, and it was just cursed. Like it was one of those things that like out of your control. You can't. You couldn't have. I couldn't have changed anything about today. So, for instance, I knew it was going to rain today. I talked. I mentioned that earlier. Um, I knew it was it was supposed to rain yesterday, but didn't. Like I, said, I already talked about how that affected my weekend. But that means I had to drive up to Purdue in the rain, and I've already had accidents in the rain with the truck. So it was it's just kind of like a mental like Ugh, I don't want to have to do this kind of thing. And then um, I got up here okay. It was perfectly fine, but you know, driving in the rain is kind of stressful. So that that kind of ruined me. Getting up early or earlier than I usually do also strain, tired. Um, then I get to I get here and then I get to class. Um, class went okay for the most part. Um, I have a, a huge homework assignment due on Wednesday. I haven't started yet, but I knew that already. That wasn't something that happened because of today. And then after the class ended, went to the Bechtel Innovation Design Center. That was really positive, awesome experience. Can't wait to go back tomorrow. But then um, after that, I went back to my room, had three hours of free time before my next class. And what I hap- my it was my next class, and then I had band right afterwards. So that means I had to change for band before I went to that class, and and I didn't. I was like, well, I'll just change before I go to class, right? So yeah, I do that. I hang out on the couch, watch some uh, Jimmy Jimmy Darista and Casey Neistat, take a little nap, um, and then I finally get it's half an hour before my class is supposed to start. And just the way residential parking works here on campus, I had to park my truck at my Cutchin parking garage, which is like way away from where the Honors College is, where my dorm is. 
Um, and then it's and then that's like okay. So here's how it works. This is everything's really spread out. So you ha- so this is the order of operations. You have McCutcheon Parking Garage, Honors College, my class, and my class and the Honors College are equidistant to Honors College Parking Garage. So lo- you know a lot of backtracking, a lot of long walks. Anyway, so. We get, I get to that half an hour point. I was like, oh, I should change for band now. Then I get up and I realize that everything I need for band is in my suitcase in the truck. Cause I got, when I got there this morning, I only had enough time to like park and then walk to class. That was it. I didn't have time to mess with anything else. So I just left everything in the truck. And then, um, I realized, oh crap. So then I, I grab everything and I immediately make a mad dash to the truck, change in the truck, get all the clothes I need. Um, but my clothes are in a suitcase in the back of the truck. So I take my clothes out of the suitcase, set my backpack on the tailgate. And because I'm changing into my gym stuff for band, I put all my stuff in my backpack um, loosely. And then my backpack, which has all my very expensive stuff in it, falls off the tailgate onto the concrete floor of the parking garage. And my phone is the first thing that falls out of the backpack and slams against the ground. Now, I was originally told with this... Um, phone that I have that it's really only sensitive to uh, ch- extreme changes in humidity, so thermal shock. That's really what will soften up and crack this screen, which I guess going from AC to the rain, I guess I could have affected it, but at the same rate, um, yeah, the screen shattered. It just it just destroyed. Um, incredibly frustrating, and probably the most frustrating thing about it besides not being able to see anything on my screen is that um, the front camera now has a crack right through the middle of it. Not the camera, but like the screen part that's in front of the camera. Um, and so when I try to take front face pictures, it just makes this, it has this really weird like glare, which is kind of annoying, but I'm, I'm still trying to do some like Instagram stories and stuff, which they've, they've turned out okay. Um, but that was really frustrating. I was like, oh man, come on. And then, so then I left everything in the truck, went to band and then, it's been pouring all day and I was hoping they would cancel band practice, but we have a game this weekend and we don't know all the drill for the show this weekend. And, uh, so we had, we had practice outside. It's pouring down raining. We're marking drill. We were out there for an hour, an hour in the pouring rain. It's cold. Okay. I'm in my gym shorts, my shirt and a rain jacket. Cause I grabbed one before I left, like a, like a down, like almost like a down coat, straight coat. It was, very big rain jacket. I'm cold. It's wet. My feet are frozen wet. I mean, it was just, it was really awful and I felt really tired and I'm really tired right now. And it was just, it's just been one of those days. It just was not meant to be good. And then on, and then after that, geez, after that, I find out that my friend who I usually eat my dinner with decided to skip. So I had to eat dinner by myself. So that was nice. (laughs) I don't really hold it against him. It, it's I'm here now, which honestly, um, I'm kind of going on a tour with this podcast here. I thought, well, after last week, I thought, you know, since I'm just going to record in a classroom or a classroom is a very suitable place to record this podcast, then I might as well just, you know, go to the nearest place that has classrooms and record, not try to walk somewhere that has conference rooms to record. It was not worth it. So I walked down to, I uh, walked about 100 feet down to this building. I don't know what it is or what it's called or what's in here. It's, I don't even know what the hall is called. I really just walked in here and I found the first empty classroom. I've been in here for the last couple hours. Just me. No one else. I don't, think, I don't even know if there's anyone else here in the building. 
it's kind of kind of creepy like that. But anyway, so yeah, so just going on a little sweet college tour here with the podcast. <laughs> um, it's actually a pretty big classroom. You probably have like sixty to eighty kids in here. It's not a lecture hall, but it's a really huge classroom. And I'm just kind of awkwardly sitting at the table up front recording this podcast. No one's walked in on me. No one's knocked on the door. So I am here to stay. So the Columbia trip isn't this week. It's coming up the week after this week. So I leave next Thursday. Um, so I won't really have a podcast episode about that for another two weeks. Hopefully, even though I'm not getting in the shop this weekend, I'll have something to talk about. We'll see. Um, also, since I'm getting this podcast out a little late, uh, relatively, I might not have as much to talk about for next week's episode. But nonetheless, I'm trying to get back on the groove because the thing is, is that if you can't stay consistent, then that's how you lose your customer base. That's just a business principle. And especially with my Instagram and this podcast, I've learned that I've really got to get more consistent with these episode postings. So thank you to all of our listeners out there for listening to this episode. I'm glad to finally be bringing to you um, back to back to back episodes. It's awesome to really do this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time on the podcast. Musicians and artists who release their music and their talent into the public domain give the greatest gift and promote a crowdsourced creative world. In the outro of this podcast, I finally get to feature somebody that I know. Finally, I encounter somebody that I know that wants to share the music with me in this podcast. In the outro of the Breeze Creator Podcast, I want to feature F1 Studio Beat One from DJ SPN. Check the show notes on the website to learn more about the song and the content in this episode at breezewoodworking.wixsite.com slash creatorpodcast. You can tweet at us on Twitter or follow us on Instagram. I'm Lee Brees. I'll see you next time on the Breeze Creator Podcast. <laughs>